Well, we are in some crazy times, crazy times here. We see that there are people that are ripping other people off just to get ahead. Times where the richest and most powerful people are seen as a beacon of truth, even though they're the ones that are taking advantage of others. A time of plurality and of multiple values, a time where there's lots of different religions and ideologies, all in contrast to ancient values. I mean, things are just really, really getting out of hand. Oh, you, you thought I was talking about the 21st century. No, I, I'm talking about in the text here, in 700 B.C. That's how times were then. And because we always think that this is unique, this period in our history in 21st century is, is different than anything else. Now, here we are in Micah chapter 2, and these exact same things are happening, and that's what Micah is prophesying against. And I want to remind us before we jump into the text and, and invite the Lord through prayer that there is nothing new. That these texts are, that are ancient are just as true today as they were then. And we have a crazy guy, Micah, who's prophesying. He's telling the future in advance, and everyone at that time period just thinks he's crazy. And maybe the world thinks you're crazy as well. Well, we're going to speak into all those things, and we're going to pray that the Lord continues to guide and direct us through His Word, revealing that this is the same old story. Nothing is new. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You so much for Your grace and Your mercy, and we pray that You would continue to bless us and teach us from your word, that you would show us that your word never changes, that you never change. And you're working just as much today as you were then to help us to confront the world with your truths. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here in chapter 2, Micah is continuing in the same cycle from chapter 1. So we're midstream here, verses 1 through 5. Woe to those who devise iniquity and work out evil on their beds. At morning light, they practice it because it is in the power of their hand. They covet fields and take them by violence, also houses and seize them. So they oppress a man and his house, a man and his inheritance. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, against this family I am devising disaster, from which you cannot remove your necks, nor shall you walk haughtily, for this is an evil time. In that day, one shall take up a proverb against you and lament with a bitter lamentation, saying, We are utterly destroyed. He has changed the heritage of my people. How he has removed it from me to a turncoat, he has divided our fields. Therefore, you will have no one to determine boundaries by the assembly, by lot in the assembly of the Lord. Now, I'm going to do the best I can as we go through these texts to separate the way that Micah is illustrating things, because he uses uh, types of speech that we don't normally use in English. Also, he changes viewpoints, and it's hard to catch. Sometimes he's speaking as the rich people. Sometimes he's speaking to them. He'll speak to false prophets. He'll speak about himself, and then he'll speak from the viewpoint of the Lord. And so I'll do the best I can to discern those things. Let me give you a couple warnings, though. I find myself saying the people of Israel. Remember this time period has Israel in the north and Judah in the south. They're two nations. And so you have to follow along with the context because sometimes I'll use Israel interchangeably for both, the house of Jacob, the family of God. And then other times I will specifically say Judah or Israel. I'm trying to be better, you know, I'll grow up. 
What do we see here in this text in the first few verses? He is speaking to those that are the rich and the powerful, the priests and those that are in authority, because they're ripping off everybody. They're ripping off Israel, the northern kingdom. They're ripping off Judah, the southern kingdom, the, the family of God. It's not any different in the north than in the south. They're waking up, as it says, in the morning light, before they even raise their heads off their bed, they're still in the pillow and they're thinking, how can I get richer today at the expense of others? How, how can I steal from other people to make myself more successful? And this is something that is happening in that time period and in every other time period since. In fact, Amos, another prophet in that time period, around 700, said in chapter 5, verse 12, For I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins, afflicting the just and taking bribes, diverting the poor from justice at the gate. And it says here in verse 2, they covet fields, take them by violence, also houses, and seize them. Well, we don't really understand this in too much context, but we get the, the situation here. But we have to remind ourselves that in Israel and in Judah, this is a land-based society based on the, on the Bible. It's based on the law of God. Even though there are lots of other pagan deities, there's lots of other religions that are beginning to mix in, there's, mix in, there's a lot of idolatry and a lot of different philosophies. But the land, based in the legal code, is based on the individual tribes and the families within those tribes. And so the land is supposed to stay with the people. In this agrarian society at this time, land equals wealth. And what he's saying here in these first few verses is that these people are waking up every day, figuring out how they can snatch more land from other people. You know, accidents that would befall someone so that they could figure out a legal way to inherit more or to take over. And it's destroying families. You may have the equivalent here in the 21st century of a corporate board getting together and figuring out that if they remove 5,000 employees from a company, even though they could afford to keep them, their bottom line will increase 3% and they would pocket a big bonus. And so, eh, that's life. Let them go. <coughs> Taking advantage for personal gain. Now, that's different, of course, than trying to keep a company afloat or to make hard choices that have to be made for the success of others. No, we're talking just for personal gain. They're willing to break the rules. They're willing to lie. They're willing to steal. And they're paying false prophets. They're paying religion to come in and say, oh, yes, this is a blessing. This is from God. He's prospering us. We're going to talk more about that later. And because of these things, it says here in verse 3, Behold, against this family, I am devising disaster. Now, this is one of those areas that in English is kind of hard to follow. <coughs> what did you guys give me? Because he was just speaking about families being oppressed, a man in his house in verse 2. And then in verse 3, it says, Behold, against this family, I am devising disaster. But he's changing the subject. He's saying the families of those that are in power, that are in authority, that are, that are ripping off and destroying families, a disaster is going to come upon you because of these things you're doing. That disaster is in 722 B.C. when the Assyrians come and take over. God is raising up judgment against these people. 
And we're going to see that in the next few verses, and we're going to apply that. But I want to stop for a moment, and I, I want to show you in verse 2. So they oppress a man in his house, a man and his inheritance. God sees what is happening. He sees when a, a family of immigrants comes from a foreign country, is barely getting paid under the table, and then has to go into a check into cash and take money out at 30% interest. And he sees these people taking advantages of, and he sees uh, uh, people's families being hurt so that other people can get ahead. And he doesn't let that go. You see, what the false prophets are telling the nations, Israel and Judah, is that God loves us no matter what. He's going to bless us no matter what. We're the children of Israel. This is just going to keep on going. God is so great. He's going to prosper us. I might have to pop in one of them cough drops. And they're preaching these things, and at the meantime, God is not going to allow this to continue where people and their families are being hurt. They're getting ripped off. The society is being eroded because, as it says in the time of Judges, every man what is doing in what is in their, right in their own eye. And God has been warning them. But I want to remind you, Micah's just a crazy guy. At least to them, in that context, he's a guy, he says he's speaking for God and God's going to judge the, the nation and they're going to be taken captive and he's not going to allow this to continue. But in their mind's eye at that time, the prophecies that he's speaking of and he's referencing, because God doesn't want us to just believe every crackpot that says something crazy is going to happen. He's going to give us some text, some evidence. Well, in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 33, it says, I will scatter you among the nations and draw out a sword after you. Your land shall be desolate and your cities waste. A little more context. You have Deuteronomy chapter 28 that says, The Lord will bring a nation against you from afar and from the end of the earth as swift as the eagle flies, a nation whose language you will not understand, a nation of fierce countenance, which does not respect the elderly, no short favor to the young. And they shall eat the increase of your livestock, the produce of your land, until you are destroyed. They shall not leave you grain or new wine or oil or the increase of your cattle or the offspring of your flocks until they have destroyed you. By the way, Deuteronomy chapter 28 is very long in its cursings on Israel. It has its blessings and its cursings. The blessings were if, uh, to the nation of Israel as they were going into the promised land. Follow the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Keep the Ten Commandments. To follow after Him, not go after idolatry. And if you do those things, He will bless you. But if you don't, if you go to idolatry, you forget the Lord your God, you don't follow the laws that are written, then He goes in the end of Deuteronomy and you have all those cursings about foreign nations coming over. Here's the problem is that in 700 B.C., those prophecies are a 1,000 years old. Deuteronomy and Leviticus were written by Moses in about 1400 B.C., a 1,000 years prior. And so when you fast forward to 700 B.C., and you have Micah telling these prophecies, and he's pointing out different scriptures and saying these things are going to happen, what are they saying? The same thing they say now. Oh, that was a 1,000 years ago. That's just mythology. That's just, they, they, how do we even know that's accurate? 
We're more modern now. We have different gods. We have other high places. We have other philosophies. We have other opportunities. We're more advanced now. We're more business savvy. We're in a new technological age. And we may think the same thing about the coming judgment on this planet and in our time. We have to remember what it says in Psalm 90 verse 4. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past and like a watch in the night. Now that verse in Psalm 90 has been used for every kind of crazy philosophy, whether it is trying to make evolution true through Scripture, whether it's some kind of crazy prophecy, changing time frames. What does it mean in its context? If you've been taught well here at Calvary Chapel Low Country, you've been taught to investigate every verse in its context. He's saying here in Psalm 90 that God has His own timeline. He sees all things at all times. So when Moses is putting his hands to parchment, when he's writing down Deuteronomy and Leviticus, and God is speaking to him through the Holy Spirit, he sees Micah prophesying. He sees the Assyrians coming in and taking over Israel. He sees the Babylonians coming and taking Judah as if they're happening. And as those things are unfolding, and Micah's prophesying, and Jeremiah's prophesying, and Amos and Hosea, he sees his son Jesus Christ being raised up on Calvary for the forgiveness of sins. He sees the nation of Israel being brought back into the promised land after the captivity. He sees us in the age of grace, and he sees Jesus returning to set up the millennial kingdom. He sees all these things at the same time. Time is going to be an important subject in our sermon here, and so is culture and value. But if we think that the Lord is just looking at what's going on in our society and our culture in the 21st century, and it's any different than 700 B.C., then we're not getting it. We're not understanding. And if we look at the Word of God as just some ancient text that's millennia old and it doesn't apply today, then you're not getting it. You're not, you're not applying it correctly. In verses 6 and 7 now, Micah says, Do not prattle. You say to those who prophesy, so they shall not prophesy to you. They shall not return insult for insult. You who are named the house of Jacob, is the spirit of the Lord restricted? Are these his doings? Do not my words do good to him who walks uprightly. So, Micah is doing one of those subject viewpoint changes that I was talking about. And now he's speaking about false prophets. And when you read this plainly, you're like, wow, you know, that, that sounds kind of nice. That sounds kind of good. Micah's quoting the false prophets who are saying, well, the Lord's mercies are forever. He's going to forgive us forever. Is the spirit of the Lord restricted? Can, can God's grace, can God's forgiveness ever end? Of course not. Doesn't that sound good? But Micah's calling them out for being false prophets, teaching that God's patience has no limits, which is not true. Tim, do you mind grabbing this light? Because this thing is going to keep on flashing. We have to play with it so it stops. It distracts me just as much as you guys. There we go. And so we see these things, and we're like, oh, that sounds good. And what do we see today? We see so-called pastors and teachers preaching that homosexual marriage is not only allowable, but God likes it. They're teaching that children can change their gender. 
that they can be mutilated and that God likes that. He, the teaching about people being ripped off. Oh, well, God's prospering those that are successful. Teaching things like God loves everybody no matter what. And we think in our society, we, we become open-minded and that these are good things. But these things have limits. Where is the line? Where is the value? What pleases God? And where do we stand in these things? These are things that Micah's calling out in a, quote, religious, God-fearing society. We have become so open-minded that our brains have fallen out. When it says here, is the Spirit of the Lord restricted, that sounds good. For example, the Lord loves everybody, no matter what. That sounds good. That is true in its context. In our society, we, should, we would say, well, anyone can believe whatever they want. They should have the freedom to believe anything. That sounds good. That sounds like, yeah, I could get on board with that. But what happens when that person has a religion that says you can murder children? No, no, we won't allow that. Well, no, no, you just said that anyone could believe whatever they want. What if that person has a religion that says it is not only acceptable, it is good, it is preferable for a human being to blow themselves up killing women and children for the glory of that deity? No, that's not okay either. No, so you've already proven your first statement false. No, it is not okay for everyone to believe whatever they want. There are limits. And who sets the limits? Who makes the values? The Bible says in the book of Judges, every man did what was right in their own eyes. That's what's happening here in 700 B.C., and that's what's happening here in America in the 21st century. And there are people out there that claim to speak for God. And they don't know what they're talking about. And Micah is reminding us that God's grace has limits because he is not only loving, he is righteous. He brings justice. He has values that do not change. Jeremiah prophesied in chapter 531, the prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule by their own power. And my people love to have it so. Oh, that hurts. But what will you do in the end? Well, what will you do in the end? What about these false prophets? What about these false teachings? What about value? Where are the lines? What do we do? What do you mean this is not the 21st century? These things are not new problems. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Let's go into verses 8 and 9 as we continue. Lately, my people have risen up as an enemy. You pull off the robe with the garment. From those who trust you as they pass by. Like men returned from war, the women of my people you cast out from their pleasant houses. For their children you have taken away my glory forever. And this is a big deal, these accusations here. Earlier in verses 6 through 7, Micah's speaking about the false prophets. He's going to come back to them. But now in verses 8 and 9, he's going after the ruler's and the leaders, and the influencers, and the rich that are taking advantage of everyone else. And he says, you are acting like a foreign army on your own people. You are marching through towns, taking people, taking their stuff, taking their land. You're just waking up in the morning before you even get out of bed trying to figure out how to get richer at the expense of everyone else, and you're leaving like a pillaging army, just taking advantage. 
And then he says in verse 9, which if you know the Lord, you know this is a big trigger item for the Lord. He says, you're taking advantage of widows and the fatherless. You're taking advantage of the weakest and you're taking advantage of those that are not able to defend themselves. They should be terrified of what is being accused here. And remember, Micah is prophesying to them earlier in this passage and in chapter 1 that a nation is going to come in and wipe these people out because God will not allow this anymore. And we should have a spirit of apprehension and we should be thinking of these things in our own culture. Give us an example, Mike. Man, that's a great comment. You're right. We have children in this country, in America today, that are being physically mutilated permanent mutilation to their body so that one portion of the country can say everyone should do what they feels right, everyone should be able to do whatever they want to do. And however that child is feeling, even the parents in extreme cases, now mind you, it's extreme, but they do happen. They don't even get to know about it while this translation takes place. And it's for one group of people to say, look at us, we're good, we're great, we're helping people out and the religions oppressing people and not letting them do what they want to do. They're the mean ones, like the false prophets of the 700 B.C. time praying, like the false prophets in the days of Judges, like the false teachers today. And they're using these children as pawns for their political influence. Well, well let's, not, let's not miss the other side who wants to take these kids, put them out there, shame them for this, wants to look at them and say, look at these people, they have mental disorders, and how are they doing this, and how is this culture, and trying to use them as a pawn for their political statement, and trying to look at them and say, them, them, those people. No, no, this is us. This is our society. These are our people, and and God forbid we use these children and put them on television and say, look at this person. Have we no shame? Have we no pity? We need to have the heart of God that protects the fatherless, protects the widow, protects the poor, protects those that are being taken advantage of. We shouldn't be looking at people that are profitable, that are rich, and saying, because you're rich, you are somehow excellent. Maybe they are. Maybe they are. Maybe they're not. The amount of money doesn't make values. Culture doesn't make values. Popularity doesn't make values. Politicians don't make values. Policemen don't make values. God sets the laws of man. He's the one who sets values. Because we love our neighbors, people can believe whatever they want to believe. Until. Until children are being harmed. Until families are being destroyed. Until the innocent are taken advantage of. And it is God who sets those values in the Word of God. And Micah is saying, no, 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 this will not continue because God is going to raise up an army and things are going to happen. How do I know that? Well, let's read verses 10 through 11 now. Arise and depart, for this is not your rest, because it is defiled. It shall destroy. Yes, with utter destruction. If a man should walk in a false spirit and speak a lie, saying, I will prophesy to you of wine and drink, even he would be a prattler of his people. Again, this doesn't translate well. We're not seeing in English what he's saying here. He's saying here, 
you were stealing land and taking advantage for profit. I'm raising up a nation that's going to steal your land and take advantage of you for profit. He's saying you were like conquering enemies. You were like conquering armies, taking advantage and pillaging your own people. I'm going to raise up another army, and they're going to come in, and they're going to take your spoils, and they're going to take your stuff. He said you were taking advantage of the widow and the fatherless. No, you are going to be taken advantage of. So Micah, in his prophecy, is very poetically in the Hebrew alluding to all those things that they're doing and saying, God's, that it's over. God's going to do it to you. We don't often think that in 21st century America. In the Western church, we don't talk about God's judgment. We don't talk about his righteousness and his purity and his holiness. He does not allow the drunk driver, to get away with murdering an innocent family on their way to get ice cream. He does not allow our fallen nature to have children who, who are born with defects because of drug addictions of the parents, with rape and incest. He doesn't allow millions of children to be aborted. He doesn't allow us to take advantage, to have wars for profit, to have the fatherless and the widows taken advantage of. He doesn't allow racism. And he's going to stop it. He is going to put an end to it. Right now we are in the age of grace. And we're in an age where there's many false prophets teaching all kinds of things. There are pastors, so-called pastors today, they're only interested in making money. And if it is easy for them to say that homosexuality is not a sin and God loves all people that love each other so that they can be put up on television... And people say, oh, that must be what God thinks. Are, are we so far away from 2 Corinthians that we don't remember what Paul wrote in chapter 2, verse 17? For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Just because what I'm saying today is not popular doesn't mean it is not going to be said. Remember, Micah is just a crazy person when he's saying these things. The Assyrians have not come. The Babylonians have not come. Those that he are crying out against and those that he's speaking against are rich and getting richer by the day. And people are being taken advantage of and they're worshiping idols in their homes and going to the tabernacle in the temple. It's not the tabernacle, forgive me, it's the temple. They're going to the temple and they're worshiping Yahweh and then they'll go home and worship a false god. And they're getting away with it. And they're looking at Micah and saying, yeah, 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 but these guys are saying that it's okay, so it must be okay. Jesus warned us that that is not going to change then, not going to change in Jesus' day, not going to change today in Matthew 24, verses 4 through 5. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. That's today. And if you think that's just Jesus' time, what about Timothy? Paul is teaching Timothy in the age of grace, our age, for the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, that's today, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. And that is what we see. The Word of God is faithfully proven over and over and over again. Of course Micah's a crazy person, but how do we know he's true? Because the things that he wrote actually happened.
The things that were written, written in Deuteronomy and Numbers and Leviticus happened. The things that Jesus said were going to happen, happened. And the things that I'm telling you are going to happen to our country, to our society, to our planet are going to happen. What we don't get away with, we don't get away with Christians just saying, well, let them do whatever they want to do and we'll do whatever we want to do. Because going back to verses 1 through 5, the family is under attack. Your family is under attack. We will be taken advantage of. We will be ripped off. We will be put into oppression. That as you sow, that shall you also reap. And if society continues to degrade like it is now, you can look at history and you can see that history is just repeating itself. We as Christians have to stand up for the the biblical values, God's values, what He says is right. We can't just say, well, you know, it's okay, just let them do whatever they want to do. Any more than we could say earlier, everyone should be able to believe any faith that they want to and any religion that they want to. No, we already proved that false. We already said, no, there's a limit to that grace. The same thing is true for us. And of course these things were going to happen. Of course it was going to infiltrate the church and society and attack our children and work from the inside out. Of course there's going to be false teachers and false prophets. Of course there's going to be so-called pastors out there that will claim to speak for the grace of God, and they'll say beautiful things that sound true, just like the false teachers of Micah's day, because that's how Satan acts. Remember 2 Corinthians chapter 11, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of life. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works, whose end will be according to their work. I, I, I get it. Come on. Satan, false prophets, judgment. This is just, this is the 21st century. Things are different than ever. That's just an old book. That's some good values, a good moral compass, but, you know, What I'm saying is that's exactly what they said in 700 B.C. That's exactly what happened 2,700 years ago. Nothing's changed. Nothing has changed. But God's Word continued to stay the same. Whether it was in Genesis when Adam and Eve were formed out of the ground, whether it was in Leviticus and Deuteronomy when Moses was writing the words of God down to the nation of Israel, whether it was in the days of Israel and Judah being separated, whether it was in the Babylonian captivity when they were being brought into the land 70 years later and restored, whether it was when Jesus was being raised on Calvary and it came out of the grave and ascended into heaven, whether it was when the apostles were martyred, whether it is in the centuries in the age of grace, getting the word of God, sharing it with the world, all of the world coming to hear the gospel. God's laws, God's values, God's words never, ever change. And there's nothing new. They call it an old book of dusty fables then. They do now. And yet Jesus will return. See, I'm not going to leave you with all that negativity because God knows that. And so here, Micah is going to prophesy something else besides the Assyrian invasion. 
What does he, what does he prophesy? This is going to be the finishing of the first cycle, Micah's first prophetic cycle in verses 12 through 13. I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together like sheep of the fold, like a flock in the midst of their pasture. They shall make a loud noise because of so many people. The one who breaks open will come up after them. They will break out, pass through the gate, and go out by it. Their king will pass before them with their Lord at their head. Now, again, in English, we're not kind of seeing this. What he's speaking, Micah is speaking from the viewpoint of God himself. He's speaking from the viewpoint of Jesus. Jesus is saying he's going to gather his sheep. Remember, at this time, Judah and Israel, they're separated. But he says here, the tribe of Jacob, he says all of Israel is going to be gathered together like sheep. And then as their king, in verse 13, as their king, he's going to lead them out together. He's not just talking about the restoration of Israel, which is yet future. Remember, Micah's writing this. The Assyrians and the Babylonians haven't come in. The tribes are there. The nations are there. Everyone's like it's been for thousands of years. But Micah not only says those things are going to happen, that did. There's going to be a captivity that there was, and that these people are going to come back, and they did. He's saying yet future that Jesus is going to return and set up a millennial kingdom. He's saying that in our future these things are going to take place. This is so encouraging. He is going to gather us together, regardless of our times, regardless of how this thing plays out or what happens with the government or our culture or society. We could mess this thing up real bad, and He is still going to come back and restore His people. He is still going to set up the millennial kingdom. He is still going to conquer. There are people today that are in boardrooms, They're in university campuses. They're in all kinds of secret places and coming up with all kinds of secret plans, whether it's just to take some more money and get more profitable or whether it's to destroy the Christian faith or whether it's to come against God's values, His Word. And I can be reassured because of verses like Proverbs 19.21, there are many plans in man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. The Word of God will stand. The truth of God's Word will stand. And He is righteous. In It'll be by His plan, in His timing, in His own way, He will make all things good. He will restore because He is a God of justice. Christians, we cannot stay silent any longer. We cannot just say, let them do what they want to do and we'll do what we want to do. No, we're not going to enforce Christianity on people, but the values and the morals of God's Word are not negotiable. They are the truth, and we stand on that truth. And we need to influence our families, our businesses, our culture, our town, our society with His Word. The same way that Micah did, standing by himself, Remember, he says all these things before they happened. We have the privilege of looking back and saying that they did. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your grace, your unmerited favor on us, that no matter how we do, you're going to have victory. You're all-powerful and almighty. We thank you that your word never changes. Millennia after millennia, people have gone through these things and these societal changes. There's nothing new. Thank you for reminding us, Lord, 
And thank you for reassuring us that you will never leave us nor forsake us because your word says so. Help us to be influencers. Help us to be your salt and your light in dark, dark times to stand for truth. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you need prayer, come on up. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to share with you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.